I'm Joe Malerba, and this is The Morning Brew. Okay, so I promised this for probably over two years, and we finally <laughs> seem to synchronize and make things work. Joining me on the show today, Julian Fernandez. I would call him a renaissance uh, man, a jack of all trades. He is a lover of coffee, which is perfect for The Morning uh -huh. Brew. Loves his coffee. An artist, an actor, some might even call him a comedian. He has amassed over 850,000 followers on uh, TikTok and a multitude of platforms. You can catch him on Instagram, Twitter, you name it. He's there. He's everywhere. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. I'm very excited to be here today, Joe. You have this like infectious smile, this sort of trademarked laugh, if you will, and an incredible following. I always like to ask my my guests, do you refer to them as followers or fans or friends? What do you call these people? Whenever I'm talking about them in conversation, I do refer like followers. But when um, I actually meet these people in person and have these interactions, it's so friendly. It's like I've I've known these people or these people have known me or like we just we we get each other. So it's a lot more of like a friend. Julian is a native of California, uh, as I am here on the East Coast in our New York studios. And as I mentioned earlier, he is an artist. You kind of just like fell into art. Would that be a, a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of always just been something that's been there. I remember being like a kid and sitting with my grandparents and them just like teaching me how to sketch or teaching me how to draw. Like you were saying, a jack of all trades. I've done, I've tried so many things. I've done so many different things and I've ex like put myself in so many different positions. But for some reason, the only thing that has always stuck is art. For many out there who express themselves through art, and certainly it is very cathartic, it's very therapeutic, and it's it's calming in so many ways. Um, your art is is very unique in that you you use a mixture of various you know mediums, if you will. It could be a pencil sketch, it could be ink, it could be an exploration with various colors. But for the most part, uh, the art that I've seen uh, that you've done is more of a grayscale or black and white portraits, birds landscapes where where do you get your inspiration for your art a lot of people will call it like copying but for me i see it as inspiration i get inspired by a piece i see an other artist do and then i'm like what would i have done if i were to have that idea what would i do with it so that's where i like to throw in my style which happens to be just like throwing an eyeball or like a wing on something random that doesn't have an eyeball or a wing. I don't work with color very often. If I do, it's very, I like to make it like a staple piece of the piece. Like I'll add a little bit of red to make that pop if that's something I'm trying to highlight in my art. But yeah, I, I like to get my inspiration from other artists, definitely. Now, would you say that you don't really use color because you see the world very gray or black and white? We might be getting really deep here on on your uh, motivation for the art that you create. Yeah, I love art that makes you think. I like art that makes you question and that can be looked at extremely differently from each different person. If there's a piece that like you would think would have color, I like that people can fill in the blanks with their own mind and say that, oh, that car is red, but it's just a black and white drawing of a car, you know? And it's kind of like that with everything in art. Meaning is given to art by the observer's personal experiences in life. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I totally, it's, it's interpretive. It's something that should, uh, you should allow the person who is viewing your art or experiencing your art or immersing themselves in your art to come up with their own, you know, thoughts and ideas of 
what it might look like to them. Julian has, has is multifaceted. You know, art is one of his ways that he expresses himself. But let me go back to what drew me to this young man and many people, as I said earlier, well over 800,000 people, if you will, who probably during uh, the early 2020s, during the pandemic, everyone jumped on various social media platforms, one of which was TikTok. And I think that we all did it for our own reasons. But what brought us all together was one common reason was that we were all going through something where we had to sort of shelter in place. We were experiencing high levels of anxiety. Uh, there was so much uh, uncertainty. And then you come across this young man. He brings so much energy and enthusiasm and joy and authenticity to the platform, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, or, or any of the platforms. Did you feel the same way about the platform when you were putting your content out there? I don't think you had a roadmap or a plan. You just did it. TikTok, I like to compartmentalize it. So if there's pre-pandemic COVID or um, pre-pandemic TikTok and then post-pandemic TikTok. I've actually been a content creator on TikTok since 2018 and at first it was never really anything serious nobody was really on it not as many people were using the app it was still kind of up and coming from like vine don't know if you remember that oh, era, but boy do i remember um, vine. yes <laughs> <laughs> love vine um but yeah it, i i gained a decent following um, pre-pandemic. And it wasn't until post-pandemic when, like you were saying, everybody was facing these high levels of anxiety and isolation and everybody, we were all alone, essentially. And we were all craving normal human connections. So me making a pointless video, of, like me with my morning coffee, just rambling about my insights on life, such a normal thing. But it wasn't until like I started posting them when I saw the impact that it had on other people. Because I would tell this day, I get messages like, hey, I watch your videos when I'm lonely and they make me feel safe. And I'm like, whoa, like that's just a one minute, one take clip that I took and it had that impact, you know. And I think, you know, we don't realize it. I mean, I've spent so many years in radio and uh, certainly in the in the latter years, the podcasting world. And we we jump on, we have a topic, we ramble. We talk about our own lives. We talk about, you know, the events of the day. I guess we don't really internalize that we're talking to people. Our message is going out there to, to all walks of life. And that's something interesting that you bring up because I've spoken to a lot of influencers and, and social media content makers that will say that until I get that feedback, whether it be written or face-to-face, -face, I don't even realize the impact I'm making on other people's lives. With that comes a responsibility. And you that responsibility with like the pressure of being an influencer. I personally wouldn't want to consider myself an influencer because I'm not trying to influence anybody. I'm not trying to push anything. I'm not trying to make anybody feel or think any certain way. I kind of just want to put this little piece of my life out for view in public eye and what Ever resonates and whatever you can take out of it is yours, you know? I get that 100%. You're providing an escape for a lot of people. You were just doing your thing, but in doing your thing, it's so real and so authentic. I mean, we see content out there and it can be so canned and so scripted. You're not doing that. In fact, you've come on at times where it's sort of, it's raw and unedited. And you're just like, hey, you know, as you said, good morning, I'm making my coffee, I'm going to work. 
you know, I'm just like you, I'm commuting. Um, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my life. And then the next day you, you know, it's like, Hey, you know what? I found some silver lining in my job and I love my life. And it's the ups and downs, the highs and lows of life. I did the like trends. I did all the back when in 2019, when I first started TikTok, I would do what everybody else was doing. I wouldn't even post videos of me talking. It would just be all the trends, all the audios. And there was a point in the pandemic, probably like two, three months in where I was just like, I give up trying to become a famous TikToker. Cause that was the goal. I wanted to be like the next Noah Beck or whatever. But then I kind of gave up that vision and just started one take posts, random, most like raw, authentic, just like not even thinking or expecting anything out of it and would post them. And then the second I started doing that, I would wake up and then it'd be like 10,000 follows or overnight. It's crazy how fast like things spread. I mean, I do think you have to have like some natural ability or or the ability to draw people from all walks of life. You know, you're not one to label any one kind. If I said to you, you know, who what who is your core audience? You know, you probably wouldn't have one because the spectrum is so wide. It's just crazy how like impactful small things can truly be. So the show is called The Morning Brew. Julian's a fan of coffee. Ice Very coffee? Much. Ice coffee or hot coffee? What's your thing? Okay, this is actually a thing for me. So I am a very much an iced coffee person. Doesn't matter what temperature, doesn't matter what time of day it is, iced coffee. But here's why. Because with hot coffee, I feel like there's only like a, maybe a 15 minute gap where it's like enjoyable because it's too hot when you first pour it. And then after like maybe 20 minutes, it's just like lukewarm, not as delicious. But when it's ice, it's like you can drink it and it's consistent and it's good. And then sometimes the ice will melt and it's like you have a second drink. Okay, fair enough. I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm going to admit right here on the podcast that, you know, for those of you who follow me, you know that I talk about how much I love my first hot cup of coffee in the morning. It could be the dead of winter or extreme heat in the summer. I drink a hot cup of coffee. But if I'm following your logic, it, it, it does have a very short window of, of indulgence, and then it turns into something that nobody really wants to drink. But that's kind of the, the beauty of the morning coffee is it's like you only get that 15 minutes. So take 15 minutes out of your morning to simply just enjoy your one cup of coffee. I mean, here we go. It's the wisdom of <laughs> Julian Fernandez right here. I've been Okay, so recently I've been going through this thing. I think it's like creative burnout. I'm not sure what it is, but... I wake up in the morning, I go on my phone, I scroll, I feed my brain with like all of this, just I consume everything. And then that's how my day goes on the entire day. I'm just hungry for consuming all of this irrelevant content. And it's kind of like pushed me into this very unmotivated vibe. But what I've been doing is right when I wake up in the morning, I either read my book or I whip out my sketch pad and I just scribble until it turns into like a draw. That's what these up here have been. These yeah. are my morning drawings. And I just put them on my wall because I've learned that when I'm not creating, there's just, there's a buildup of like frustration inside of me. And there's, there's, it's a lack of expression is what it is. That's a description that I've heard over and over again from creative people, people I've had mm -hmm. on the show, people I know, you know, professionally, personally, whether it be musicians, artists, comedians, 
writers. I mean, I'm a writer myself. And when you go down that dark hole of not being able to express yourself creatively, uh, and perhaps because of the things like being bombarded with other people's content, we all do it. I mean, yeah. admittedly, I did it like last night. I could not fall asleep. And so I was scrolling and scroll until I was just like, all right, you know what? There's nothing that's really coming out of this that I'm going to benefit from. So I'm going to just turn it off. I'm a big believer in resetting. Taking the time and like sitting with yourself, even if it's five minutes where you close your eyes and you just sit in your surroundings, you listen to the the silent hum from the light, or you listen to like the street, like the cars in, on the street, sitting and taking a moment and just immersing yourself in the moment is such a grounding thing. You have evolved and we watched that growth, uh, whether it be, as I said earlier, the good days and the bad days, because we all have them and that's what makes you authentic. But you have evolved and grown into what I have seen and what others have seen, the feedback that that I'm seeing is that you have come full circle. You are so much more comfortable in your own skin. You are becoming more uh, aware and reflective. And if that sounds corny, then it was meant to be that way. But I, I'm getting a sense of more gratefulness from you of where you are, where you were and where you are and sort of a direction of you know, where you'd like to go. Finding comfort in not knowing releases so much stress and anxiety within yourself. I I have no idea like what path of where I'm heading, but I am very happy with where I am at now. Right now I'm just doing a lot of like exploration. I'm trying to see, do my passions, see what I love to do. And then if I can somehow make money off of it, that's great but that's just not my priority at the moment. You know, I, I've said that about my writing. So, you know, my day-to-day -day is spent, you know, involved in advertising, marketing, sponsorships, radio, TV, content creation. But I, I opened up this new page of my life where, no pun intended, where I started writing. And I've always wanted to write a children's book. And so, you know, five, six years ago, I started that process of writing a children's book. One of my favorite holidays is Christmas. I don't know how you feel about Christmas, but it is like right up there with, you know, a couple of other holidays out there. It's just such a great time. It's a festive time. It's a time to be with family and friends and yada, yada, yada. But I, so I thought of this character, little George, and I think in many respects, people have said that little George is, is maybe may a representation of who I was as a child or, or the children in all of us. And so I began this writing process, but going back to what you said, I, I started writing the book, not thinking of the end goal of making money or, you know, producing hundreds of thousands of books or selling, becoming a, a New York times bestseller, which I am not, uh, but it yeah. was not, it was not about the money. It was about the the passion and the joy of just putting it out there on paper and then and ultimately seeing what the end result was. But it was exploring a side of me that I, I had always wanted to do. And when it was done, I, I kind of was proud of it. I felt good about it. I've been doing a lot of reflecting on this, too. And like there's so many artists, so many creatives who turn their passions into careers, which is like amazing. And it's so good that you can do that. But it just puts them in this like whole ideal of 
just like being lost doing all of those like media and doing the marketing like that's not what you're passionate about that's not why you write but it's what you do but that's so completely separate from writing your children's book your your baby your your story but which one was the most fulfilling for you which one filled your heart and which one filled your pockets i always say to people there's your there's your 9 to 5 job and then there's then there's everything else in life you know your your true passion and if you're fortunate enough to have the passion be your nine to five job, that's great. Then you've hit the jackpot. But most people go about their days living a nine to five life. And it, it, that is a means to, you know, su survival, paying your bills. You know, we all have to do that. Mm -hmm. But then there's a whole other, there's, there's a, there's a ton left of you. You know, I, I always tell people that work that you do, whatever it is, that's like a, a, grain of sand on the beach there's so much more to you and never lose sight of that you know as you said your art your passions your 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 love of music uh your uh your talent your your modeling career as if he wasn't uh you know awesome enough as this incredible artist and providing all this content that makes us laugh and cry and think he's a model too so tell us about this modeling career Julian, the industry as inclusive as they're pushing that they are is a little harder to get into than I had anticipated when I first started. Um, it's very hard to sign with an agency <laughs> when you are five foot and eight inches. Um, there's just a lot of standards that I don't meet for the like baseline model. Um, I don't want to do runway. With runway modeling, it's very specific. There's a very specific body type. There's a very specific look that you have to have. But for like editorial modeling, it's a lot more open and like lenient with different things. Um, I've been trying to get signed with an agency for the past year and nothing has come out of it. I've submitted, I've sent my photos to everyone and it's always, oh, your, your height's an issue or you're, you're too far or it's always something. But I've kind of pushed away from trying to find an agent and kind of just like continuing to do my own thing. And then anybody that wants that for them in their vision, then they can kind of pull from that. Okay, I can understand with height, it's um, more so for runway because you think about it and these designers create these pieces, these lines, and they have to be worn by models all over the world in all these different fashion weeks, all these different um, events. So it makes a little more sense to need a specific body type for that. But once it comes to like commercial modeling, then I feel like that's where the industry needs to be more inclusive. You have to think of the people who are really wearing the clothes, who are real people, not six foot five toned ab models, you know? Right. Um, people want to see themselves, which circling way back to the TikTok conversation. If I go on TikTok and I'm posting about me having a bad day, it's real. People see that like, I'm not just a perfect influencer who lives a perfect, happy life. Like I have issues just like you. I have issues just like everybody else. And it's just people want to see themselves in 
everything. No, that's a very good point. And, and you have done that. You have been so true to your content. You know, we followed you when you were exploring different avenues of yourself. We saw you during, you know, your darkest days and your brightest days, or we followed you when you went out on an interview for a job. And then you came back and you said, hey, guys, guess what? I didn't get the job, but I got this cool iced coffee and I'm going to enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. Um, you know, certainly you are surrounded by beauty in California. You have an amazing support system in your family. Uh, tell us a little bit about about the family dimensions. So my dad was Filipino and my mom is white. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, California. Um, I have a very large family. So I am number six of seven kids. So it's very nice to have like my support system. I say that because I've the past two years I lived in LA. Mm -hmm. Right after high school, I packed up and left all by myself. I don't, I didn't have any family or friends in LA yet. Well, I had friends, but, but friendships in LA are very surface level, I've come to find. I think it definitely taught me a lot of very valuable lessons on just like being independent, being on my own, being okay with being by myself. Um, but I found that it just, it put me into such a depressive like rut and it pushed me so far away from myself because I had no one to bounce my energy off of. There was a point where I went two weeks straight without having anything more than a surface level conversation with anybody. And that was so hard on my mental because I I love genuine conversations. I'm the type of person to have a three hour conversation with someone I just met in a coffee shop. I moved back to the Bay Area beginning of June and it's been about two, a few months and I have never felt closer to myself if that makes sense like i totally feel like the truest version of me all of those things that you did were meant i'm a big believer in this that they were meant to happen they were meant to happen in that way so you had to leave and you had to leave in order to experience what you didn't even know that you had right in front of you and then you came back as you said to the bay area which is absolutely beautiful i have not been in back in so many years and i'd love to go back i'm excited to hear uh, before the before we started the show julian said he's he's coming back to new york which is awesome so we can get together in new york like anything else in life for those listening you have to go out and experience things take risks um and experience those those darker times in order to appreciate the the lighter times if you will we're constantly either living in the future or dwelling over the past I find myself doing it all the time where I'm just like so worried about what's happening next week or so worried about what's happening in the future. But that doesn't exist yet. That doesn't exist if I'm not creating it in the moment. I think the true purpose of life, not to like jump into such a philosophical question, but the meaning of life is just to experience. It's as simple as that. Experience everything. Experience human emotions. Experience just everything in life for what it is. Spending time with family and loved ones, exploring nature. You know, Californians have a, a, a you know, certainly you have the advantage of being able to ex explore nature more than New Yorkers. Uh, you've been to New York, so exploring nature is a whole different kind of nature here. Um, <laughs> one that I, you know, I understand you do, you know, you do find a love in. You came to New York and immediately embraced the vibe that is New York. I love New York. I just, I love the melting pot like it's so many people from so many different places and just 
I think it's such a beautiful thing. And I think New York, you just really get that vibe because you walk down the street and you get little pieces of like something going on on this corner. And then it's completely different from the other thing going on right across the street. And it's just, there's so many different, like almost multiverses going on. And it's just, it's like a energy playground, if that makes sense. That is so true. I've had friends, I've never lived in the city itself. I've always been like the inner city or suburbs where I am right now. But I have so many friends growing up that when they would move into the city proper, because that was always everyone's goal when they were younger, I'm going to get an apartment in New York City. And then they find out that it's like, you know, five gajillion dollars for a closet size apartment. But when they when they were able to do it, whether it be with roommates or what have you, they said, you know, it, the city just has such an energy, like a buzz that even when you were finished with your day and you were trying to wind down and just like go to sleep, you would be like lying in your bed and just still feel all of this energy going on outside that oftentimes my friends would say, I would just, I would get up, I would hop in the shower, get dressed and go out again, even though I, I just came from being out outdoors because that's the vibe that New York City brings. So we are so happy to have you in New York City whenever you come and visit, of course. You've been listening to Julian Fernandez, who, as I said earlier, you know, a multifaceted young man. He is, you know, well-known, well-respected, well-revered in the, the TikTok community, uh, in so, on social media. And he's just like you and I, just trying to figure it all out. And he has his good days and his bad days. But at the end of the day, he is just like you and me. And those are the type of people that we should gravitate towards. I could talk to you all day but my producers are flagging me that time is running out. You did it. You you now get the t-shirt that says, I survived my first podcast. I survived my first podcast with Joe. <laughs> yeah. Now, am I, can I make the claim that this was your very first podcast? This was my very first podcast, yes. Look at that. He chose to do it right here on The Morning Brew <laughs> with his Morning Brew. I am so grateful and blessed to have a, a person like you on the program. Would you please come back again? Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm ready to come continue this conversation. That's so awesome. And we will continue this conversation because this conversation requires a lot more input and thought, not just from the two of us talking heads, but from all of you. So we'd love to hear from you. If you are playing this back on the iHeartRadio app, uh, you can certainly uh, put your feedback on there because you can hit record and and tell us what you think of this podcast or what you think of this renaissance man uh, that we're speaking to right here. And if you just got a little taste of his laugh, I mean, it's infectious. I'm going to get him to do more of that laugh next time we talk. Julian Fernandez, thank you so much for being on The Morning Brew. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing experience. I'm Joe Malerba, and this is The Morning Brew.